So this is Marco um, talking right here. I'm the one who sounds like a nine-year-old girl. And um, so Marco DeSantis and I'm calling from Los Angeles. It's a rainy day in L.A. Um, and I wrote a chapter in this in this book. I ranted and raved about Power Pop, and, and we called the chapter Surrender. The reason I suggested Surrender is um, because probably my favorite song, my favorite just rock song, power pop song, pop song of all time is probably Surrender by Cheap Trick, When Push Comes to Shove. Um, so I thought that'd be kind of cool. And then um, I was also ripping off a friend of mine named uh, Ken Stringfellow from the band The Posies. Because um, I remember reading something he wrote. I think he sent me an email or he wrote some letter sometime that I got to read. And it was like, he signed his name like Surrender Ken. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool. I want to steal that. I think Jonathan Richmond might have done that, too. Um, but anyways, yeah, as we all know, um, being uh, being being rock and roll creative weirdos, um, you know, probably 90 percent of it is just uh, found object art where you, you hear a record you dig and you steal little ideas from it. You see some scene in a movie, you overhear a conversation, you read a passage in a book um, you know, and you just kind of store it all away in your little like mental landfill, and then you kind of puke it out, and it becomes a song of your own or an idea of your own. So that's it. Um, surrender. I'm Marco, and then I'm in LA, and across the ocean, I'm going to throw it to Kurt. What's up, everyone? My name is uh, Kurt Baker. It's great to to chat with you, Marco. Yeah. So I was. I'm really thrilled to be a part of this book as well. The chapter that I contributed. Uh, is titled Pop Punk to Power Pop. And it's basically kind of uh, telling my story, uh, my beginnings, uh, playing, I guess you'd call it pop punk music. And and I tried to relate some parallels between the two genres and kind of how it, it relates to my own personal, personal journey, uh, you know, discovering music, writing music, uh, being influenced by it, and, and how there seems to be a lot in common with the with the two genres. And um, so I was kind of, you know, I, I talked a lot about uh, bands from the seventies and then the bands that I kind of grew up listening to the, the nineties pop punk bands. And um, so, yeah, I shared some insight into my own personal journey, but also tried to talk a little bit about the genre itself. And uh, yeah, I hope, hope uh, if you pick up the book, uh, you, you enjoy uh, the chapter. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's, it's great to, great to, finally get to chat with you marco i've actually i've uh i've been a fan i was uh when back in the day actually when when my old band the leftovers started we were we were all big sugar cult fans so so it's oh, really cool rad. to 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 talk to you yeah finally yeah dude that's awesome man and the the um i've definitely like stalked you on uh you know gone for like the the kurt baker deep dive oh. and checked out checked out your solo stuff checked out the you know your old band and and all that stuff, and it's it's rad, dude. So so I just have a question though. Where were you guys from? Like what, when you were? Oh yeah. So we were from uh, Portland, Maine. So like I, yeah, I, we we were based out of Portland, Maine. I I lived in in Portland, Maine for for pretty much my whole life. But then I moved to Madrid about six years ago. So it would have been six years in December. Okay. And Actually, one of the reasons why uh, I made that move was just how great the music scene is here in Spain. Um, and 
especially there's there is a, a big scene for power pop so Dude, what, i know yeah. exactly what you're talking about and i i had that revelation like of you know even before sugar cult um i come from santa barbara california okay and so it's this pretty small town we all everyone you know everyone knows each other and you know pretty much shares the same bass amp and the same three girls yeah you know right, so that, that was go. like how it was growing up like the scene that had like Punk bands that were like in front of us growing up were like RKL and No Effects lived in Santa Barbara for a little while and then oh, did Lag, Lagwagon came out of Santa Barbara and so there was like we we had a lot of kind of older brothers to sort of pave the way and then come back for Thanksgiving and tell us all the war stories like oh okay, <laughs> yeah. you gotta you know when you when you play in um, Atlanta you gotta go to the Claremont. You know, when you play in Madrid, you got to go to Malasana, you know, like yeah. so we, sort of, we we hear about all these things. And then we all, of course, like a bunch of scrappy musicians starting our own bands. And and it was just you kind of had this like, I mean, it always seems kind of like a fantasy to, to pursue, um, to, you know, to pursue rock and roll as like a, an actual thing you're going to maybe do for reals. You know, it's um, but at least having a few uh, a few bands from our hometown that actually like you know got in a van and got in a plane or whatever and eventually did it, it kind of gave you permission to at least try because you're like well fuck it if that guy can do it i can do it you know absolutely yeah but, but but you hear about these little places in the world and then you know of course we're talking about you know way before you could just google everything you know so it was you sort of have this weird imagination and then you get there and your your misinterpretation of what it was all about sort of led to um sort of a romantic ideal of it and then you'd find it anyway long story short i got to go to spain because um good friends of ours from our hometown were this band called nerf herder and i had been oh yes with them. i was just gonna say yeah i was like yeah. is it nerf herder from santa barbara yeah <laughs> totally and actually me and joey cape who's a singer of Lagwagon, we had this little indie label that we put out this all kind of weaves back to this book because the guy who edited the book is steve coulter who writes under the pseudonym S.W. Loudon. And yep. Steve was the drummer of a band um, that we also put out on our label back in, the, in those days called Ride L High, which were an amazing band. You uh, okay. Totally check out Ride yeah. L High, R-I-D-E-L. Um, but anyway, Nerf Herder was the other band we'd put out, and they were just our friends because they were a local band. And then, of course, they got to, you know, they got on a bigger label and got song on the radio, and same thing with Ride L High. But... At some point down the line, Nerfurter needed someone to fill in on bass, and I was like, you know, I'll do it, you know. And so I went to Europe with those guys, and they had this weird gig where they played in Paris for two weeks and then uh -huh. Madrid for two weeks. So I got to so be in the So you were there at the weeks. residency? No I way, because I, oh my gosh, because people still tell me about that time <laughs> that Nerfurter came for a whole week and the, and like and uh actually one of my good friends here in in madrid his name's bernie and he's on he's on the he's in like the liner notes or on you know the cd oh, yeah. booklet for totally american cheese yeah Classic he's one of my bernie. best best friends that's him yeah yeah, yeah and, i remember uh, that he, dude he was, yeah that's so rad tell him we said hi <laughs> i will i will absolutely yeah. do that yeah it's just like i mean when i got when i got american cheese like and I saw that picture. I'm like, oh, that seems like some. Uh, looks like a good 
time, like some friends hanging out in that photo with Perry. And then I, I had no idea that a couple, like years later, I'd be like best friends with this dude. But yeah, he, he told me uh, like stories about it, like how like you guys were playing. I don't, I don't, re- you probably remember the, the club. I, I don't think it exists anymore, but um, yeah, it was, but, it was yeah. like some, yeah, it was kind of a lame, like, kind of, you know, it was like a lame sort of hard rock cafe type of vibe where it was like the, you know, someone had this concept to be like, Hey, let's have this like American sort of American style restaurant, rock and roll restaurant bar and bring over American bands to play. And, you know, I mean, so for us, it was just like, you just kind of rolled your eyes and swallowed the, sure. swallow the throw <laughs> up in your mouth and take the gig. Cause it's like, Hey, all you hear as a band is, we get to go to Europe and play and you're going to put us up in hotel rooms and pay for our flights and pay us some money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it was so fun. And of course we're all really good friends too. So like, like me and um, the drummer of Nerf Herder grew up in a band when we were like, when I was in high school, I was in a band with him. Uh-huh. And then Perry was like a local legend. You know, we all loved Perry grip. who's obviously like, you know, having a whole new life now as kind of, oh, like, yeah. you know, with his solo stuff. The YouTubes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So it's such a small world, but we had such a great time in Madrid in particular. It was just like, to get back to what you were saying, it was like, I, I, I went home from that trip with like so many like seven inches and, and independent records that I just amassed over there that people were handing me. And it was just like, oh, yeah. I came home just going, holy shit, this is like a whole fucking city with this like, uh, it's like a parallel universe of power pop and like garage punk and like all the shit that I love, like all this, oh, like, yeah. all these cool little outsider underground um music you know cultures and like in america you'd find like a few people here a few people there but america's mm-hmm. spread out so far and it's like mm-hmm. in spain you just had it like condensed and it's all condensed area. yeah and it, yeah yeah and it seemed like everyone just got it i was like how how did this happen like you know they they understand that like the new york dolls are cool and that the muffs are cool and that big star is cool like it whereas you're back home like grabbing people by their jackets like shaking right. them, going, you don't understand while you're drunk at some bar and trying to explain to them and they just don't get it you know absolutely like, oh, yeah, no, i mean man you know like so what do you mean like do you mean like Everclear and third eye blind and you're like no I no no no, no you're so you know you've like thrown them down the stairs so it's like anyway so over there in spain i, I was people seemed so appreciative and they just got it and i loved that the like bars were open till like 8 a.m and you'd go in there and be some like old guy playing records you know, um, it was, they it was still are like, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> they, they still haven't closed since I was yeah. like 20 years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, dude, it was, it was such a good scene. So I can totally appreciate like how, a, you know, a dude from Portland, Maine, well, you said you were from Portland, Maine, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just don't want to get the wrong city. Yeah. Um, no, would no, just be the like, original Portland, Maine. <laughs> right. Like you just go over there and you're like, what the fuck? I, I gotta stay. I can, I, I like, it crossed my mind too, to be totally honest with you. I was like, maybe I just move over here. I mean, yeah, it was just unbelievable. The people were so cool. The lifestyle was so yeah. awesome. The music was so good. Everyone was so cool. That guy, uh, you know, you're talking about Bernie and that, um, I can't remember the names of the other people we met there, but we met all these people. We actually met a few other expats. There was a band called the pleasure fuckers. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And I don't know. I think, it oh, was like of course. Hat. Yeah. The legendary pleasure fuckers. Yeah. Yeah, and we got to hang out with them and that crazy dude who was their singer who I unfortunately I think is not not alive anymore, but um yeah. he was awesome. He had, yeah, Ki- it was Kiki just like, Tormix, yeah, yeah. Kiki, yeah, that was his name. Um Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. such a trip, dude. I can see why you would do that. I, I, now it makes me want to go back. I'm gonna now I'm gonna come Oh and, yeah, uh, man. You're- 
I'm going to invite myself over. You're welcome anytime, man. <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course, like, the, the, city's, the city's changing, but there's, there still remains, you know, this, this appreciation in this scene uh, for, for rock and roll and power pop. And, like, for example, like, every weekend, now it's the weekend. But, I mean, back, I think, when you were there, it was, like, every night you could find a really cool party at a rock and roll bar. Now it's kind of more restricted to the weekends. But, uh, you know, you've got DJs that are playing, uh, you know, great power pop music, obscure stuff. Um, and and when I first went over there, uh, it was, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of like the same experience over here, I guess you'd say. Um, but... Uh, I, because I've always been such a, a big music fan. So yeah, to go to like a rock and roll bar, Malasanya, and to have some 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 DJ play a song, you're like, what is this? And and I learned a lot from from uh, these these DJs, and I, I found out about a ton of new bands and everything. And when I got back to uh, to Maine, I started DJing, and I tried to you know spread the gospel of of rock and roll. And in, in you know we have one rock and roll bar in, in Portland, but um, you know so it was this thing that I was like I got to get back, I got to get back. So you know with the leftovers, that was kind of my introduction to to Madrid. But uh, after the leftovers broke up, I continued to tour almost every year and so that would have been like almost every year i went from 2007 to 2013 and eventually i was just like you know what i'm like just spending like 11 months out of the year just you know twiddling my thumbs in maine waiting to get over to to europe and to spain to to play so i just i finally made the decision because it is it is hard hard it's definitely harder in the states to to find that kind of uh, scene that is condensed, that you can really, you know, talk and, and meet with people, and they know people in different towns, like in Zaragoza or or Barcelona, and, and there's a there's a community here which uh, is still thriving, and and that really kind of helps, you know, for for touring bands or even local bands playing. Uh, so you know, there is still a there is still hope for what we do. You know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I always tell because I, I work with a lot of younger bands too. I'm always, I always remind people. I'm like, don't remember, don't don't forget the world is a big place. You know, just because it's not c- catching fire where you actually live, doesn't mean that it's not you know that it it's not going to work. You know, I mean, totally. even sugar sugar cult. Like we came from Santa Barbara, and at the time, like it was just like, you know, we got a pretty good local following when we were a local band. But I, I felt like. I felt like people weren't understanding what we were going for, you know? And, yeah, um, yeah. And then we ended up like, you know, even, even LA, it was still a little bit misunderstood. And then once we started touring and, and getting out into the world, like we got really big in the UK and we got really big in Japan. Oh yeah. Really big. Oh, Japan. Yeah. Yeah. The East coast, uh, like in around New York and then like the Midwest, so you realize like you never know where your thing is going to find its, uh, you know, it's going to find the right kind of sunshine for it, you know, that's going to make so well. And so, so, but even, you know, it's one of those things where you can't complain. And if you did, who would listen? Cause sugar cult did well, but you know, there was a, there was a weird little kind of melancholy, you know, with me and our singer where we were like kind of going, this is really cool. There's all these people jumping up and down and then they, they're, they're buying a lot of our merch and, and, our songs are getting played and we're getting invited on these tours with these other bands. But there was a part of us that felt like there's a giant part of our band that's 
not being appreciated by a community of people that I think would really appreciate our band. And that's when we were thinking about power pop. We were like, we kind of thought we were a power pop band. And then we got out there and everyone was like, no, 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 you're a pop, you're a pop punk band. And yeah. Also yeah. sort of an emo band. And we're like, right. Cause I, in my mind, cause I was, you know, this is sort of pop punk, you know, version 2001 to 2005. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, when I was growing up, pop punk to me was like, um, face to face. And like, yeah. you know, bands that were like melodic punk bands, you know, sure, and, and maybe sure, like yeah. bands that were influenced by the Descendants. Um, I guess Green Day when they were on Lookout and all those bands from Berkeley um, that used to play. Right. At, um, you know, that was kind of what me and my all friends the Lookout record stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All the Lookout yeah. records. Like to me, that was pop punk, like the Winona Riders and Crimp mm-hmm. Shrine and, um, you know, and just basically oh, like to maybe me, that's even those, pop punk, too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe those first two Goo Goo Dolls records, you know, that were on Metal Blade. Um, hold me up and Jed. Like when I first heard those records, oh, I was like, yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. Great records, actually. And and I was like, I don't really know what to call this. It's like punk, but it's like pop. I guess it's um, it's almost right. like pop punk. Like we kind of you just came up with it yourself almost because you didn't know what else to call it, you know. Sure. And, uh, but then it became sure. sort of a sort of like a an, an archetype, and people just went, okay, anything you know that sounds like Blink One Eighty Two and is being marketed at the Warp Tour in this certain magazine right. or whatever is and so you know it's one of those things where you just kind of go ah fuck it who cares you know it's like i think about the original um i, I remember when i was in college I, I was studying sociology and they were saying like when the original immigrants were coming over to america they would go uh-huh. to ellis island and they would have some really oh, yeah. complex like russian last name or something and they would be like all right so what'd you say your last name was and they'd say this thing and they'd be like all right cool your name's jones and they would just and they would just kind of nod their head and be like okay fuck it you know who cares i mean that's name? how I, yeah that's how i got my last and I, oh, I, there's no Perfect. one in my family that makes bread you know so <laughs> <laughs> they're like you're making I don't, bread i don't know the all first right. thing about that your name's fucking yeah. baker next you know <laughs> like and of course you're, you're exactly your relative your um you know, ancestors were probably like, well, we're only going to be here for a couple of months, make some money and then go back to our home anyway. Sure. So who fucking cares what they put on the form? You know? Exactly. Well, that was kind yeah. of our Sticks. thing. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of our thing. Like it's like any band name. Like we, we probably would have thought of something cooler than sugar cult. If we thought we were going to be a real band, we were just fucking around and we called it sugar cult. Cause it was the name of a lesbian gang that our singer lived, lived next to. And oh, then, that's brilliant! That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then everyone's like, "Oh, you guys are pop punk. You guys are pop punk emo." We're just like, "Whatever the fuck, just buy my hoodie and put me on the tour." You know, yes, we'll go on tour with whoever, right? You know, and but then you kind of realize like so much. I should have known better because I'm such a rock history nerd. So much of rock history gets categorized, and then that's the that's the thing. Or yeah, right. and so like you can have a band that's amazing, like. One of the bands I use as an example that I can completely relate to is one of my favorite bands of all time is a band called Hanoi Rocks from Finland. Mm, oh, yeah. I love them. I love a them. Fucking yeah. incredible band. And one of the biggest crimes is that they just were dismissed as a hair metal band. Like people are like, oh, totally. yeah, hair metal, dude. Fucking Bon Jovi, Hanoi Rocks. Got it. You know, and you're like, no, dude, there's a whole like universe between those two bands. Like you couldn't to call to call Hanoi Rocks a hair metal band is like, that's like, you know, I'm trying to think Did you example, ever get you know? into, uh, did you ever get into a band called Kicks? K-I-X? I remember Kicks. I remember Kicks and I remember their, 
I never got like into them, into them, but I re- definitely remember them, you know? And well, that's like, yeah, I think yeah. the same thing happened with them because I mean, they, they were just like the, uh, the, they were at the wrong, they were in the wrong time because they, their, their music is very kind of like it, it goes between like ACDC kind of rock. And then a, there's a huge cheap trick influence there. They've got some songs that, I mean, a, a lot of people would probably classify as power pop. Um, some of their slower ballads and stuff, but yeah, they were just kind of like you know categorized as as a hair metal band, and and I think for for that reason they probably didn't really take off, or I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I mean it's just it's so easy for people to to categorize music, and if they see a label or if if a band is kind of said oh these guys are hair metal or these guys are emo, a lot of people won't you know take the chance to to actually listen, right. and, and that. That kind of sucks, but I mean, yeah. that's, I it's, guess, it's a, the, what you know, it's a double-edged sword. You one know, of the problems, become, yeah. If you get invited to be part of a, you know, if you happen to look up and go, oh, shit, like, we're part of a fucking cultural movement. This is like a youth movement, right. and people are, yeah. you know, the good thing about that is that you get to enjoy the, you know, but the problem with things like that, the thing, you know, to be cautious about is then you go down with a ship when the when the trend right. is over. You know, but you know, all you can do is look to people like, like I always look to, to, you know, in Sugarcoat, we always look to people like Tom Petty and we were like, Mm -hmm. look at that guy. Like, and you know, he's been attached to so many different like movements. Like at first he was marketed as like, okay, he's going to, first he was like trying to be like, like almost like alt country before that was like country rock. And then it was like, okay, you're young and skinny and, um, you're a new wave band. And then it was like, okay, you're an MTV band. Okay. Now you're a, you know, and it was just kind of like, they kind of just went, you know what? Call me whatever the fuck you want, but we're just going to keep writing good songs, you know? And I think I that's mean, always, like, to go for the timeless thing is the way to go. You know, I think they have a song on the first, first record, anything that's rock and roll. And, and I guess that at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is. It's like, as long Nailed as it's it. a rock and roll song, it's got a good melody. It's got a good hook. It's right. got a good, you know, rhythm that, I mean, that's, that's all it means to me. I mean, as, as just being a music fan and as a musician, it's like, I strive to, to write the best songs that I can. And a, a lot of people categorize it as power pop or, or maybe it's just, I, I like to just call it, you know, rock and roll music. Cause you I can know, put that, I that's know. a big umbrella, but people are very picky about it. You know? so. Well, people can get, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's really fascinating to, to watch cause it's kind of human nature. And, and, you know, as much as I might even like sure. be the one constantly like kind of claiming the, like, I wouldn't want to, what was the, I can't remember if it was Woody Allen or Groucho Marx who said, I would never want to be part of any club that would have me as a member, you know? oh right right yeah yeah, yeah. you know but but like i i get claustrophobic if someone puts me in a box because because i don't like to feel like okay well that means i have to sign on to all the ideologies and um Mm -hmm. fashion choices of everybody else in that box like i I feel like art and and the spirit at at the end of the day um i probably connect the most closely with the original spirit of punk rock which is just the sort of i could do your thing and, uh-huh. and yep. not be governed by any fucking rules. And I love that jawbreaker lyric um, of coloring outside of gu- your guidelines. I was passing out while you were passing out the rules. And then one, two, three, four, who's punk with the score? Oh, there you go. Just, yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's classic. It's, yeah, It's so classic because it's kind of like, look, the whole point of this is to fucking break down the rules and do your, then do your thing. And, and, but unfortunately after something happens enough times and maybe it works once or twice, 
And then people right. start to jump on bandwagons and go, okay, in order to be power pop, I got to dress like this and I got to like this. And, I get... and it's so, it's, to me, and that's it, like, that's the death of art, you know, when, when something totally. becomes like a fucking yeah. cliche, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was something I, I, I might, it might've gotten kind of edited out or something. And, and what, what I wrote a paragraph, uh, uh, originally about how kind of frustrated I was, uh, when I first started kind of releasing records, um, as a solo artist, because, uh, it, it had seemed that like the, the pop punk community kind of just abandoned everything that, uh, I had, I had been releasing cause it wasn't, like the leftovers and it wasn't pop punk, it, but, right, right. but there were songs that I were, I, I was putting out songs that would have been exactly that there would be no difference between uh, right. the You're song being on a solo record or, you know, yep. and so, you know, that was kind of frustrating, but, um, but still I, I feel like, you know, there, in terms of the, the, the basis of like a good pop song, I think anyone can really, um, you know, get into if, if they if they like pop music, but you know, it, it it could be either pop punk or power pop or whatever kind of pop you want to call it. Right. But and, you know, and that's what I, cool. what I think is kind of cool. What I think is kind of cool about the um about the term about the whatever you know the the term power pop and the fact that there's I mean it's it's interesting that it's that it merits a whole fucking book. You know, just sure, to sit there totally. and talk to a bunch of people that have somehow been either self-identified as power pop people or, you know, someone else thought them power pop enough to call them up and say, you want to write something for this book. Yeah. And, and that somehow merits a whole book of people kind of trying to wrap their head around, like what the fuck is power pop? What is this? Yeah. Once you read the book, it starts to like the blurry picture starts to, it's like a Monet. You have to step far, far back away from it to see what it is. But if you look at it too up close, it's, it's confusing. But once you see like your perspective, my perspective, uh, some of the other guys that wrote, um, you know, their pieces for the book, you start to kind of put this puzzle together and go, okay, I get sort of what's Trying going on it. here. And it yeah. is sort of like, a, it's not as simple as just, here's what power pop is. You got to have a skinny tie and you got to have your hair cut like this. And you got to um, play this type of guitar through this type of an amp and then write songs about girls. You know, it's it's not that simple. It's much, maybe like to, as a passing glance to someone who's not interested in it, who might want to just dismiss it they're going to maybe look at it as like something kind of, you know, silly, but you realize it's, it's totally a, uh, nuanced, complex thing. You know, it's like, you know, it's like anything, you know, like fucking wine or something, you know, to some people it's just right. like fucking give me some wine. I don't know, red or white wine, whatever the fuck's going to get me drunk. And to some people they're, they're going to be like, you know, I'd like uh, this vintage year. Right? Yeah, yes. know, like, <laughs> what grape and what fucking year it was. And like, what do they, you know, you know, it's like, that's the beauty of anything is you can, um, you can get, you can do the deep dive or you can just, I think I make that point in my essay. That's like sort of fun, yeah. the fun of being a rock and roll fan is you can just have it like the, you know, background music coming out of a shitty teenage stereo while you're like making out with somebody, or it can be like, you know, you've got fucking, you're an audiophile with like a sure $5,000, you know, amp in a you know it's amazing speakers and you're sitting there listening to like 
the fucking Pet Sounds box set or something. You know, it's, right. it's cool. And and the good thing is, neither one of those is the right or wrong way to do it. They're all. It's all. No, good. it's not. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember reading it in, in your your chapter that about you know being that that guy that goes to the to the back of the the record store dumpster diving for you know obscure stuff and and how that can be like a, it it can be a little. Uh, lonesome, you know, being the only one listening to that stuff, but uh, but but kind of going back to what we were saying too, there are people out there that do like that obscure stuff too, and uh, so you know, there is it, there's a lot of people on uh, on this this planet, and uh, and so you will find someone that's into the stuff that you're into, you know, e- either way, and that's a great feeling when you meet up with those people, you can shoot the shit with them and talk about these obscure power pop records or new wave records or you know anything like that but yeah well yeah i mean it's just so fun there's such a huge um you know there's such a there's so much to be discovered like i was saying it's kind of like uh you know this found object art where you can just go and like piece it together and and something as mysterious as as power pop you kind of have to put it together for yourself you know you kind of i think everyone you know connect the dots yeah yeah it's your own little like hero's journey to kind of figure it out and kind of go okay um, and I think everybody's probably wrong and everybody's probably right, but you know, right. so somewhere in between there, you read all these essays and you're like, Oh, I like Jeff Whalen's whole like thing about the Beatles. Okay. I love, I like the way Kurt did that. I like the way, and you read them all and you start to kind of form your own evaluation. Your own idea. Right. And either way, you're probably going to be somewhere along the way. You're probably going to be inspired to be like, all right, fuck this book and put it down and put on a record. You know, yeah, it's totally, you like, so- and then you're going to pick up the book that again. That should be it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to go, oh, shit, this is rad. And then, then you, you know, one thing's going to kind of one hand washes the other. You're going to be listening to this, you know, maybe listening to a record or you're going to be throwing something up on Spotify that you weren't aware of mm-hmm. and you're going to listen to it. And that's going to lead. And that's just such part of the joy of being a real music fan, you know. Sure. Um, is, and, and, and any music fan, you know, I don't, I don't uh, begrudge. You know, any that's why I never I try to hold my fire when when the conversation starts about like oh that's lame or that's mainstream or that person's oh, into like yeah. popular shit. And you go well, you know what? Everyone's got to start somewhere. You know, and you don't want to close the Absolutely. door. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's always you, you know, there's got to be a gateway drug. You know what I mean? And most of us, if we if we were honest, would probably tell you the first thing we ever listened to was probably something that we we're probably you know. We're probably it's probably not as cool as the shit we're into now. Sure. You know what I mean? And um, I mean, actually, one of the things now, too, I think we're living in kind of an exciting time because, I mean, it there are there are some pros and cons to, to uh, you know, like streaming services like Spotify, for example. But, man, I have discovered so much great stuff that's been coming out even just this year that, like, I, I don't know how I discovered it before. So it's like it's it's great to you know to discover new music and 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 through that it's really opened up my mind oh totally uh to a lot of different stuff that that i mean and i hear and i put it through my you know mental filter and what i what i like and i'm like oh yeah this is this is great now like oh some of my friends would be like what the fuck are you listening listening to man but i'll be like no that you know know, it's it's great to to discover this stuff and and i think you know i've I've always personally said like you know i i am a musician but i'm i'm a fan first so it's like i I gotta find music i gotta be a fan i gotta get into it be influenced you know dude you're totally speaking my language i mean i i feel like definitely you know can can agree that like i would i would consider myself 
basically just a super fan like one of those guys that yeah started playing music because i liked it so much i wanted to find a way to get inside it you know and, and right like get closer exactly to it, you know and i think I'm that's what happens same. to a lot of maybe people that play power pop i think it is it, someone even says that in the book and i thought it was so good i was kind of jealous i was like oh fuck i wish i would have said that uh, i wish i wrote it, that <laughs> you're the are you the one who wrote that like somebody wrote no, like, no i didn't like, write that no no yeah like it's basically like I'm trying music. to think now it's like you you know it sounds like these bands are um primarily formed by people who are fucking record collectors and music obsessives you know what i mean and then they they all started their right, own right, bands right, right, and those right. bands became power pop bands you know i mean it really sure. is music that's informed of um it's not just music that's informed of i mean maybe that's the common denominator that makes something power pop it sounds like music that's not just like could it be sound like yeah it doesn't sound like songs and music that's made from people who just are like hit by a lightning bolt of inspiration and want to express themselves it sounds like people who fucking love listening to records and are right. just obsessed well, with pop yeah. culture and, and and rock and roll and then they make bands up and that ends up being power pop you know well it's weird i mean because the, the most important elements to to i guess you could say like a power pop song is is really you know like well i don't know but uh you know having a good melody ha being able to execute like a great idea in three minutes and and, and in order to do that you really got to listen to music you got to know your you got to know your shit to be like right. all right that is that's a good song i want to do something like that you know and there's so, and, and yeah, and that's yeah i think it's where just the, a good appreciation for it you're 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 not working within the confines of a genre you're working in the um framework of a tradition you know what i'm saying so i like yes. that better it's like going hey man this is a challenge how do i get in and get out within three minutes or how do i get in and get out with a guitar and bass and drums you know, I, just, I think like limitation is a virtue. It's like giving yourself like, totally. like I love the way the white stripes were just like, we have guitar, yep. we have drums, we have red, we have white and we have black. We have a guy and a girl and, go, you know, and it's like nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and having that like limitation. And, and so in a way, that's that's part of what makes power pop um, be power pop is that it's is that you're sort of going, here's some olive oil, here's some garlic and here's mm -hmm. some uh, tomatoes go and it's probably going to taste like italian food so if you give somebody <laughs> guitar bass drums three chords and something to say it's probably going to come out like power pop especially if the right. musicians are somewhat the combination of people like me who are fucking hacks at best and then people maybe like jason faulkner and ken stringfellow who are like virtuosos sure. but punk rockers you know like ken right, stringfellow right, the right, guy totally. knows music backwards and forwards but will smash the fucking guitar after he's done playing Absolutely. some chord that Ken's like great. Yeah. 17 fingers to play, you know? So like that's, you know, virtuosos with, you know, with, with punk rock souls are going to play power pop punk rockers with an affinity for, uh, you know, slower songs and melodies are going to play, you know, so many different roads lead to can lead the to that yeah. collision course of power pop. You know, it's pretty cool. But dude, speaking of which I want to say, um, your uh, if people go to Kurt Baker. To, I think it's just Kurt Baker. Is it Kurt Baker Trio to your Spotify page? I was uh, yeah, dude. I was trolling so hard on your playlists, and I just I made myself oh, like really? a playlist of just stealing from your playlists because you have such good. Oh taste. no way! Yeah, you're oh, a really good you, curator, <laughs> and because you were talking about that, like I'm a music fan, and I think people who are listening to this thing should go check that out because there's there's a lot of really cool shit, and I think. One of the biggest, um, you know, one of the most important things when you're talking about 
um, these sort of like underground music cultures, it's it's not going to be talked about by the radio or the television no. or, the, or the mainstream media. So you really do rely on like word of mouth from friends or musicians in other bands. Like, hey, tell me totally. about some cool shit you're listening to. And so I think that's a there's a treasure trove because you have no dog in the fight. It's not like the, all the bands you're talking about are bands that you've produced or on your label. It's like no, it's, no, it's, no. It, it, it's like genuine. It's like here's a guy who just fucking loves this shit and has like taken it to the next level and actually fucking moved to Madrid. You know? yeah. and like, like and so there's there's value in that for you know there's a bunch of out, people out there who love music that might be just sitting in their fucking you know, day job right now. And so, I mean, if I can, if I can move to Madrid, then pretty much anybody can do it. Cause I didn't think I'd ever even be able to, to, you know, get out of Portland, Maine, you know? So like, so badass dude, you're, you're, I mean, there's a certain, like, it's so weird, man. It's like, we set out with a fucking pack of guitar strings to, to like play music and be in bands. And then you realize like, you're actually doing something that's really fucking. Um, it's a really cool way to 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 sort of live life, you know. Like right, it's, it's, right. It's, it's it's valuable, and 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 it's not it's not selfish because you're posting stuff on on your you know you're making playlists that other people can check out. You're making records other people can listen to. We're writing these things for these books, and you're because part of the fun of of experiencing cool shit is then turning around and, and sharing it with other people. Sharing you know? is caring, man. Yeah, I mean, right? it's like, I've just, I've, I've heard just in the last couple of days, like some amazing new records that just came out this year. I don't know if you know her, but uh, she, I think she's from LA, but her name's Kate Clover. I don't think I've heard her yet, no. Dude, she just put, well, she put out a single last October. Oh, just, yeah, just last month. And it's called like it's called Channel Zero, and it's it, it's it sounds like like Blondie or some guy. It's just incredible, man. And I I'm really looking forward to to her new record. It, I mean, just hearing new music gets me influenced and excited to 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 write new music too. So it's like you you always have to constantly be you know um, finding some some muse or some you know creative you know. Uh, outlet of, of you know you know you know what i mean like just finding new stuff and it, it's exciting but man there's just there's a ton out there yeah i and if you're listening and you want to to check out i i have this like 2019 spotify playlist that's like it's it's over 200 songs but it's yeah there's a lot of great stuff that i've discovered and um yeah who knows what else i'll find before the end of the year <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool, you know, and I mean, that's like, you know, that's one of the benefits of things. I mean, I, you know, definitely miss the, the joy of like trawling around record stores and finding cool, like, you know, weird things or having someone, you know, give me a CD or, or, or someone gives you, you find some cool seven inch in a record store yeah. on tour. I love that, but you know, it, I'm just glad I got to experience it, but you know, totally. Spotify is awesome too. It just, you know, you don't when I find stuff on Spotify, it's really cool to listen to, but I realize like, I mean, God, it sounds so lame, but like when people say it's all about the music, I'm like, mm, is it, it's not all about the music. Like to me, especially with rock and roll and most like pop culture, it's like, it's not about just the music any more than sushi is not just about eating a raw fish. You know, if all I right, was a right. raw fish, I would fucking go to the pet pet store and just buy some fish and <laughs> pop them in my mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like stick my hand in a pond and grab right. a fucking fish. It's like I want some guy with a headband on and the um 
who knows what he's doing with a sharp knife behind a counter. And I want the sure. light to be low and I want the fucking little fake waterfall to be trickling in the background. Like you oh, want the yes. whole fucking context and the whole experience. And that's really, uh, and that's a random analogy, but like, to me, it's like being in some loud fucking record store that's covered in stickers and have some disaffected dude behind the counter and like finding some cool thing that like have oh been looking for for a while, or finding yeah. something you didn't even know existed, or finding like something that's like totally mispriced, like some rare fucking thing that you found for like three bucks, you know? Like oh yeah, and then taking it home and putting it on a record player, or having like being in some loud rowdy bar and having some band play and they're awesome, and then you get their CD and then you you know. All of oh, that totally. is part of the experience. That's a unfortunately, huge you don't part. get that on Spotify. You, know, you, you don't you, get that, yeah. And, and even and like I the mean, liner notes and the lyrics and all the fucking mess of the whole thing. I really love that. And like just the physical thing of having it like sitting on your fucking, you know, sitting on your floor oh, when me, you get I home mean, or me whatever. Too, yeah. You know? And uh, and I don't want to give the any, the listeners some impression that I'm like some like Spotify super freak. Like for me, like <laughs> it's like I I got I got into to you know. Really, I got into power pop music because, like, I I I remember, you know, like my Sharona hearing it on like on the classic <laughs> rock radio, and then you know finding the record and and like you know about fifteen years ago or so when I was really like getting into buying a lot of records and stuff, um, they were like these secondhand shops because the vinyl vinyl wasn't so hip at the time, so um, you know I found just tons and tons and tons of like power pop records from late 70s, early 80s for, like, a buck. And so I found so much great stuff, and, and I've never forgotten about that, you know. And, and I still love going to, to, you know, vinyl record stores and just looking at the cover sometimes, and the back cover, you can tell, like, hmm, I think that this is going to be a kind of, like, maybe a new wave or power poppy band. I'm just going to buy it because it's, like, two bucks. And, <laughs> and I found some really great stuff that way, man. I've, you know, I'm sure you have, too. It's, it's, that's, that's part of it. And then, of course, also, you know, seeing, you know, seeing the bands and, and hearing things at, at the clubs. It's, it's, uh, there's many different, you know, levels to appreciation, uh, pre- totally, appreciating man. this kind of music, you know. Totally. And I, and I like that, you know, that it still exists that you can do that because, you know, um, it's cool, but, but, you know, just for me, it's like, I don't know, like I'll be in a store and I'll want to buy something and I'll go, okay. I, like the old me would have just fucking bought it, but now I'll be like, well, I'll check it on Spotify, you know? Right. So it's like, it's know. hard. To, there's yeah. really no turning back, but you, know, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. You got, it's hard now forward, with that. But... And to me, that's another thing about like traditional music forms. It's like, I want to see like I don't know if I found them yet, but I want to see the band that's embodying the spirit of power pop, but today instead of because what you see is there's a lot of like what I like to call you know and and a lot of times it's a lot people do it really well and it's really fucking fun, so I can't knock it, but sometimes it's a little bit disappointing to me when I see what I like to call the civil war reenactment, you know where it's like people who are like they're they're all they're not wearing one fucking thread of clothing that was sewn before fucking 1983 and they have to have guitars it's like the purest point where it's like this the the subject matter has to be so fucking exactly the same subject matter that people were singing about in the 70s and you're like you kind of go style over substance a little bit because you're going to go and like we'll do the guys who were making this shit up in 1981 were fucking playing the you know lots of times they were they were like 
playing what they could um, gear that they could get their hands on in 1981, and they were yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't doing that by choice. They were, they, they probably no. so it's like it, you got to be you know it's hard because I I myself like would you know do I'm definitely like a history buff and I and I love like old shit and it's you know in Sugar Cult we had a nice we had a pretty healthy balance of like people who um, really like savored the tradition and rock and roll history and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But then also people that were just completely fucking irreverent, just going, yeah, that's nice, but that's fucking lame. Let's move forward. And you're yeah. like, oh, you know? And so it was kind of a nice, it was kind of nice to have a balance in that. And, and at the time there was times where I was like, no, I want to, I want to keep things really fucking, uh, you know, um, to spec, you know? And, sure. and I'm glad that I, that, that I had to compromise with the other some of the other guys that were like that had zero fucking romance about that kind of shit um because i think you end up with something that sounds a little fresher now i'm talking about sugar cult that was already fucking a long time ago because you remember yeah. from when you were a kid you yeah know? yeah so yeah. what's going on today like i want to see like like one of my friends he's one of the biggest power pop fans i know is this guy named matthew coma and he ended uh-huh. up becoming he was just an aspiring kid and he loved yeah. sugar cult when we met him, he was like 15 and he had like Elvis Costello buttons on his oh, silk, no uh, suit jacket. And he came like with his dad and I guess his dad was like, you know, had been in a, had his own record deal back in the day. Like, like Tommy Two-Tone and Rick Springfield. Like right. That era. He oh, was like yeah. signed as sort of an also ran in that, in that. Category. Oh, I'd love to hear that record. I know. It's it probably out. fucking great. <laughs> And, and so I was like, you see a kid like that who has who, who has like signs of good taste, like they have a fucking Joe Jackson button on. You're like, yeah. okay, you you must you're either really fucking cool, or you live really close to a cool record store, or you have really cool parents. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One um, of the three. And he was <laughs> that, and three. he ended up like becoming a songwriter, and he wrote these songs that became giant, giant fucking hits on like. And he became like the go-to songwriter for all the EDM artists, actually. Oh so he no wrote that way! Song, wow spectrum for zed and the song clarity and he wrote all these songs and, and it was funny because i was oh, wow you hear those songs and they're like they just sound like typical like you know pop songs but you go back and listen to his acoustic demos of them and it sounds like fucking paul westerberg it's like no holy shit. shit yeah and that, so you I have to check like, that out good yeah. songwriting is good songwriting no matter how you totally. dress it up you know but that's how mm-hmm. he made a living he was like he got one cut and then everyone just started calling him and saying, Hey, you're the guy who writes songs for EDM people. And he's like, I am. Okay. And they're like, shut up. All right. go with it. You know, yeah, Same thing, you know? Yeah. and he got like, Uh-oh, you know, that's all great. those guys, Afro Jack and Avicii and all those fucking dudes. Um, and so then what happened was he kind of got frustrated. He's like, you know what? This is great. And I'm enjoying that. I, that I'm making a good living doing this, but I, I'm, you know, I love rock and roll, you know, like, right, 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 right. He was right. getting to the point where people were hiring him to do DJ sets, but not like you and I would DJ, like DJ, like, all right, dude, play the fucking crazy, like dance clubs and stuff. Right. Oh my and gosh. So finally yeah. he just, he kind of just turned at like, I think he hit like 30 years old and he just turned his back on the whole thing and went, you know what? I'm forming another band and he formed a band and they're out there right now. And they're called Winnetka bowling league. And if you listen to it, okay. here's a, a kid who loves power pop. But is like you know a generation, a couple generations removed, and you kind of listen to it. And you go, okay, this is his version of power pop. So, so it's kind right of one on. of those weird things. Like so, somewhere along the way, I feel like people stopped the clock at 1983. You know, like as soon as the knack was over, they stopped the clock. Sure. And so it's like, unless you're like the knack or the Romantics, 
or something like that, then, you know, and, and I feel like that's a shame because I think there's been, there was so much shit in the nineties that I could, I would call the Lemonheads power pop. I would call the Posies power pop, yeah. um, you know, um, and there's been so many things in the, uh, in the two thousands and fuck man, if you talk to Billy Joe from green day, he fucking loves power pop. Like all he, Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, I um, know. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to talk to him about some. Power we should. Stuff no, he would love you. Uh, those guys would love you. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there's actually a lot of el- you know elements on it. If you listen to like any of the songs that aren't their big hits, you you're just like, like I went through those three records they put out. That was kind of crazy. Oh man, out, like those. The yeah, yeah, totally. Was, yeah, there was there was like I mean, it was a lot of music. It's it's like, you know, like someone like it's like ryan adams where you're like you put out so much shit that i can't like i can't sort it out it's it's kind of hard right. to work through so i just kind of it was it was a, a bit much at first but yeah there's yeah. like i mean even but, on 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 trey there's just yeah some brilliant songs on that one so yeah. many good songs so i just went through those three records and i was like i'm just gonna like make a playlist of just like my favorite songs of the three records and make it a little bit more of a digestible um portion you know and it was just kind of like you can you can construct an entire power pop record out of those records, or you can construct a quintessential Green Day record, or you can construct yeah. like a garage punk like Hives kind of style record out of it, you know. So it's uh, kind of there's fun. so much stuff there. Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> but that's another example of a band that you know are they they just you know they've become as successful as someone can get, but they just ooze out of every fucking crack and crevice. They just ooze like super fandom like everything you, totally. you, you see it in the, the yeah, details. they're fans they're fans yeah, yeah they are such fans of music they never stop talking about it or thinking about it or relishing it and, um you know and it's like you kind of want to tap them on the shoulder and be like uh you guys do realize that you're like fucking you made, made legends <laughs> and like, you know, like and they're still trying to like find a cooler um tv yellow les paul jr at the vintage right. shop you know like oh, but i, I mean that's that's why they're <laughs> you know that's why they continue. I mean, they, they haven't, they haven't gotten jaded on that, you know? And I think, you know, uh, if, if you are a musician and you, and you love music, there's always going to be some source out there that will keep you going. And, and that's really the beauty of it all. And, you know, totally. there's always going to be new resource. songs and always new bands. It's great. I love it. <laughs> so much fun, dude. It's crazy. It's a weird, it's a weird obsession. All right. So Mar- 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 it's, been, take- it's been awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a very polite and a sweet, subtle hint to tell Marco DeSantis and Kurt Baker to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise they're going to be like, no one's going to want to fucking buy the book now because these guys have already right. like, talked their ears off yeah, about this shit. Taking away sales. Yeah, no, we don't want that. <laughs> we're cutting into the bottom line. All right, well, yeah. dude, I want to meet you. If, you. if you're ever out in L.A., hit me up, man. I'll Absolutely. I'll show or, uh, you know, we can go, go have dinner or whatever. I'd love. Maybe we I'd can, love to maybe get we out can to make LA. up a song together. Let that be. That fun. would be. That, that would be great. And uh, and you're always welcome here in Madrid. I'll uh, I'll take you out to Malasign and we'll we'll hit up all the rock and roll bars, man. Don't don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, I right. won't. All right. <laughs> <laughs>